0: Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of Gabriel Talks Football GTF. My name is Aldo Gandia. We're going to talk about Mr. Kevin Warren, the new Bears CEO and president. Uh, But before that... I want to let you know that tonight at 8 p.m. Central, it is Bear Their Souls with our new cast of Chicago Bears diehard fans. We're going to talk about a number of things, including the topic of should the Bears at least entertain trading Justin Fields, entertain any offers that might come in. And I want to get Greg's take on this. He's probably going to reach across the screen and slap me if he can get the hand through the screen. (laughs) I see him doing that already. So let's bring him in now, the feisty as ever. Greg Gabriel, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing real good. I'll tell you what, there's not a quarterback in this draft coming up that's anywhere close to being as good as Justin Fields. End of discussion.
0: (laughs) That's it, final But
1: really, it's if you if you were putting Justin in this draft, he'd be the number one pick, hands down.
0: Okay, so but what if you get three number one picks and uh, then you now have four first round draft picks or five? Who's going to
1: give you? I mean, you trade them and you get three number ones. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna have them this year. And then you're putting yourself into a situation where you're starting all over again. you got to go through the same thing with the rookie growing pains. Why do you want to do that? You just got done with it.
0: Yeah, but and, and you're absolutely right. Those are all good reasons. But if the team got together, the coaching staff got together and said, you know what? We still have doubts about whether he can be an above average passer of the football because he has shown uh, the lack of fast processing and his accuracy on short passes particularly is not where it should be. So if your coaching staff said, we still have some doubts, we're not totally sure about him, should you at least entertain the phone calls you might get for Justin Fields?
1: Well, theoretically, if you thought, You know, one of the top three quarterbacks in this draft was better than Fields. Then, yeah. And again, I'm I'm stressing theoretically, so I don't want to see Gabriel said, you know, because I didn't say, because I. I, I, But you know, you got to look at how he's grown. Let's let's back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. This is the third offense he's been in three years. Ohio State. 2020, Nagy's offense, 2021, and Getsy's offense, 2022. Okay, that's difficult for anybody. You go, you know, they're all different. And I think it's fair to say that the second half of the season, he was a lot quicker pulling the trigger than he was the first half of the season. Mm hmm. And, you know, the, the numbers bear that out. The completion percentage, everything across the board, you know, bears that out. And it's not only him, it, it's being on board with the receiver. So the receiver's knowing him. And some of these guys, you know, people want to bitch about the Claypool pool tray. They can bitch all they want. You know, I've said it a thousand times. The fruits of the Claypool pool tray will be shown next year. This offense is very difficult to learn. Uh, it, it takes, and, and mainly because of the adjustments that got to be made by receivers, the site adjustments. So, you know, I think he's going to have an entire offseason and he's going to be a lot different player for the Bears than we saw this year. But when they make up a tra- when they make a trade and you give up a number two, you're not doing it for, you know, the half season that they had, and they're doing it for an extended period. Mm-hmm. You make a, a compelling argument,
0: and as Adepta says, uh, that's it. Thanks, Greg. That's that. So uh, we'll move on to the news of the day, which is the introduction of Karen Warren as the Bears' new CEO and uh, president. Why are you smiling?
1: <laughs> because I felt bad for the guy. Well, he probably didn't even know he was talking, but none of us, you know, we saw what, a quarter of what was said? <laughs>
0: About that, yes, <laughs> it was a really sad moment. The Bears uh, lost their internet access, and so anyone who was watching this live streaming of it, uh, of the announcement and of Mr. Warren's comments, uh, missed out on at least half, and maybe uh, even a lot more. We were able to grab some comments, and this is Kevin among Kevin Warren's first statements when he was introduced. Now I'm
2: looking forward to building a, a incredible culture here with the Chicago Bears, to meet with every employee one-on-one, to ask them some simple questions. If you were a member of the McCaskey family, what would you do to bring a championship? What can we do to help you on a daily basis? Tell me one thing that we can change to make this an incredible place. So this is a special day as we move forward. In a journey, I'll always be transparent with you. I'll be honest and straightforward. And I'm looking forward to uh, making this home for a very long time and and bringing championships home to Chicago. Greg, this guy impresses me immensely. Uh,
1: do you feel the same way? Yeah, he's, he's a people person, but you look at the positions he's held, the last being commissioner of the Big Ten, which is no small job. and And... You've got to be in a job uh, like that, you know, commissioner of a huge conference like the Big Ten. There's a lot of politics involved, so you got to know how to play the politics. You got to be able to work with people. Uh, he's worked in the NFL for a number of years. He's, he helped build that that gorgeous stadium in uh, Minneapolis. Um, so there's a lot of good things going. There's a couple things, and, and starting with with. Um, Georgia's statement and one thing you know you kind of forget about over the years you know he said like the uh, the head coach reports to the general manager and the general manager reports to him and not Ted you know going forward because Ted was going to be involved in the in the uh, building of the of the stadium at least the the foundation of that putting the deal together and then it just hit me right away. Oh, yeah. So that means he's the guy who had a sign-off on Khalil Mack getting traded, Roquan Smith getting traded, which all goes back to what is Ryan Pohl's vision, and that goes back to a year ago when they hired him. He had a vision, and that brings up another point because I had you know, a text conversation with uh, Ballard last week. And I said, when you're interviewing people, you know, what, what are some of the important things you're looking for? And he said, you know, he didn't put them in order, but obviously leadership qualities and, and finding that out about, you know, what other people think of, of the person as a leader. But their vision, he said real important, their vision and who they're going to put together as far as a coaching staff because the coaching staff is is very, very important. And it hit me, the vision. Mm -hmm. And this taking down of the team, and I know we're off the Kevin Warren thing here for a second, but the, the taking down or dismantling of this team from what we saw last year to what it is now, and that has a lot to do with why there's only three wins at the end of the season, was part of the vision that Ryan Poles had for the Chicago Bears going forward. That you, in order to take a step forward, you had to take a step back. And he did that, and he had, you know, didn't give a shit one way or the other, to put it mildly, you know, what other people thought he was going to do it the way he wanted to do it. But, like I said, that the, the statement, George had a write-off on all of that. Okay, so now, going forward, really... It's. It sounds like Kevin, from his statement, he's not going to be um, really taking over until April. But so I, I think when it comes to free agency, Ted's still there. But let's talk about you know what does that you know I've been in that building, I know how it works. He's going to let them do whatever the hell they want. He just wants to know what it is, mm-hmm. you know, so he's getting, you know, it, it's, I never had any difficulty with, let's say, you know, cause I had to control my own budget and it, and if I was going to exceed the budget and know why, cause there was something I needed that wasn't in, in the pre-planned budget that we do, you know, the year before I'd say, Hey, this is, you know, piece of technology or something. They came up. This is going to help us. And I had to sell it to him. And then it was either yay or nay. And, and I'm going to say 98.5% of the time it was go ahead and do it. You know, so all we wanted to know is what the plan was. And he almost always signed off on it. So I, I don't think Ryan's going to have a problem. People are going to say, because oh, okay, because when free agency starts in two months, Ted's still technically going to be at the helm. Even though Kevin will be there, but not be there because he said his official start date isn't until April. And they didn't give a, the exact date. he's still probably, unless they find his successor for the big 10 commissioner, uh, you know, if they find somebody fairly quickly, maybe they can move up that start date, but. You know, right now, it, it, it's April. So, you know, free agency in the draft, most of that's going to be the, the guy who sets the approval. And he doesn't say, no, don't draft this guy, because I've been in the rooms for that. He lets you do what you want. It, it's, he just wants to know the figures. Okay, what's it going to cost for this guy, mm-hmm. et cetera.
0: The buck stops with George McCaskey, so he's uh, more than entitled to know uh, what exactly is going on with all of the operations uh, with the Chicago Bears. um, McCaskey was asked about Kevin's uh, qualities, and this was his response. His energy, um, his experience, uh, the trust level, um, what he did as Big Ten commissioner, what he did with three other NFL teams um his his connection as he mentioned to the bears from 30 years ago with chris this is uh this is important that th- those qualities that he mentioned are also qualities that an NFL commissioner should have and a lot of people have said that this is probably a stepping stone for kevin warren because he has his eye on being the commissioner of the National Football League after being uh, commissioner of the Big Ten for three seasons. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: No, not really. It's um, love the paycheck of the commissioner. That's for damn sure, <laughs> right? <laughs> like a million dollars a week. And, uh, <laughs> <Not> really? <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> but you know that that's that's thinking way ahead. I mean, it's it's not like he's going to be a pauper being president and CEO of the Chicago Bears. Yes, um, <laughs> you know he's he's a very well-spoken man. Mm-hmm. He's obviously a people person. Everybody who's ever been associated with him speaks very, very highly of him. So I think you know he's he's going to bring a different personality. He's, You know, I think he's a totally different personality than Ted. And I don't know Kevin Warren, but just from seeing him as big 10 commissioner, because I remember going back a couple of years ago during the COVID thing. And it was actually Justin Fields who was really putting the pressure on. He got the players, he banded the players together to like, no, we're not sitting out the season. We're playing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and, that tells you a little bit about Justin Fields, too. He, you know, he took a huge leadership role in doing that. And, you know, I think, you know, given the politics involved in higher education uh, during the, the, the pandemic, you know, it, it, it took some balls to do that. And he made, you know, he made the decision. And I don't remember if the Big Ten was one of the first to say we're doing it, but I know the Pac-12 was the last.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, so he, he's been involved in that. But he said, you know, he came right out and it. first and foremost, let's build that stadium. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And we'll get to that, but I want to squeeze in this question uh, first from Renewable. He asks, how much do personal relationships play out when making trades? Does that make it for easier deals or sometimes harder to get over? And while, of course, uh, Kevin Warren is not going to be probably directly involved with any trades.
1: He really won't be involved at all.
0: But perhaps his relationship with other teams and other people could serve as an entree, could serve as useful intel for Ryan Poles. He does, this guy likes this, doesn't like that. Could, could, it, could it help in any way?
1: Yeah, in all honesty, I don't think so. I mean, his – the last team he was with was, you know, was with Minnesota, it was with the Rams – but how many? You, you know how things change in Absolutely. the NFL, and and people in the front office. You know who's still there since he left the Rams? They got to you know that they, they've changed their or not the Rams since he left the Vikings. They've changed their coaching staff and their front office. It's entirely different. So it's not like you know his connection was with, is with ownership,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not not with the the front office football people. Mm-hmm. Indeed.
0: Okay. Let's get to the topic of First Bank. Um, He was asked, what's the biggest thing that he learned in the construction of First Bank? For those fans who do not know, uh, Kevin Warren had a huge role in the construction of the First Bank Stadium, uh, the stadium in the U.S.
1: isn't it U.S. Bank?
0: U.S. First Bank, yes. You're absolutely right. Thank you for the correction. So uh, this is his response to the, what was the biggest thing he learned about his, uh, during his involvement
2: with the construction of that site. <laughs> the biggest thing I learned was the fact that you need to plan before you start digging. And I think what made and makes U.S. Bank Stadium so special, we spent almost a year in planning. And planning is critical, and that's what I appreciate about the McCaskies is uh, they support the planning process. And so I think that will be really uh, critical from that standpoint. I know we're focused on Arlington Park and uh, that stadium development project. I look forward to leaning in um, to the stadium development project. But I think the biggest thing we can do is to make sure that we're methodical, we're detailed, and uh, we take the time to plan it properly. Uh, Greg, do you think
0: that there's any possibility at all? Because the Bears still have not purchased this property. Um, They were hoping to get it done by the end of the first quarter, and it sounded like George McCaskey was a little bit hesitant about that. Do you think that there's any opportunity at all for the city of Chicago to jump back in with their Soldier Field proposal, putting a dome on the place and working out some type of agreement with the Chicago Bears?
1: Not a chance. (laughs) not a chance at all that that that, first of all it's it's the smallest stadium in the league and it would take probably a couple years to do the improvements that they want to do where's the team going to play they're going to go back down to champagne you know just little things like that and this is that they're going to own the stadium. They're going to control what goes on in that stadium. They're going to control the events that happen at that stadium. You know, and, and I guarantee you, and now especially with, with uh, Kevin Warren I'm on board now, some of the things you can look forward to seeing here, um, Big Ten basketball and football championships, Super Bowl, mm-hmm. um, NCAA playoff game, maybe even a national championship game. Mm-hmm. You know, on, on, and some of that stuff is just—you know—those are huge events. That if they put a, a, a cover over Soldier Field, that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And and they've already gone down the road. They've hired the architects. You know, it's there's. You know a lot of studies that got to be done before they they can, you know, cross the Ts and dot the I's as far as the actual sale, you know, and and, and buying that piece of property. It's not you know it's a it's a it's a big purchase. What are they paying two hundred million for that land? One hundred ninety nine million for that land. It's a big big uh, undertaking and. They got to make sure everything is right before they sign the final papers. It's going to happen, but it doesn't happen in two days. I've been saying all along, I think it's 2028 at the earliest before you see them inside that place.
0: Yeah. Um, the, The Reg Johns also mentions having the combine there. You could have the NFL draft there, and, of course, You know these big concerts where you're going to sell eighty thousand tickets. Maybe the Rolling Stones are going to be back in town. Who knows? But yeah, well, you could
1: have have the draft because I think given the first year we had the draft here, and I both years the draft was here. I worked downtown doing the the draft for the score, and the weather was atrocious on Saturday in year two, and they had to cancel all the activities. The first year. Day one during the day, I was um, was part of the the original Parkins Spiegel show for, uh, and they they were on from late morning into early afternoon, and I I did like that whole show with them outside, freezing my ass off, um, <laughs> you know, just a, a you know a block from where the actual draft was was, was taking place. It was on Radio Row area. And it was cold then, but then it warmed up later that day and then uh, Friday and Saturday. Saturday was absolutely gorgeous that first year. Um, but I would think if you built that stadium where you could move everything indoors and you wouldn't have to worry about weather,
3: mm-hmm. you'd, have,
1: you'd, you'd have it back in Chicago again. You know, and and there's not a doubt in my mind that that it might be a while because everybody watched the draft. My own personal opinion on the combine, I don't want to ever see it leave Indy. And and the reason being is the location, just the way that city is set up. You know, you you never have to no no team personnel has to run a car because all the hotels are staying on or, are staying at or all within walking distance of the stadium. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've probably been there. You never have to go outside if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's all these tunnels and, and overhead bridges, covered bridges that, that get you from place A to place B. And the food is terrific. There's a million uh, uh, restaurants down there that you can walk to. And then the convenience of the hospitals being just a couple blocks away you know, for for stuff that they have to, if they um, uh, have to send players out for some special testing, whatever. Now, what they've done, they used to have to send players all over Indy to get MRIs done. And they were doing, when I was working for the Bears, that number got up to over 600 MRIs at the combine, which means it averages like two MRIs per player. Wow. Okay, so, but now they've got these portable MRI machines, you know, on, on the back of a tractor trailer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they can get a half a dozen or bring a couple of those trailers in and, and have like a dozen MRI machines or 10 MRI machines right there on, on site. So that takes care of the, the one tedious problem that they had. But it's just so convenient and indie. I know how the league's thinking. They're thinking, let's find a way to make some money on this. But if you went and talked to all the, the clubs and the personnel people, they don't want to leave Indy at all. Mm. They want to stay there. The weather's I, I think only a couple times does the weather get really bad. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I uh everything I've heard too from stuff that I've read and, and talking to people, everyone agrees with you. The the idea of moving it from Indianapolis anywhere else is just ridiculous. So um this is uh uh, uh, Warren talking about what he thought about the Arlington Heights
2: property itself. Because I'm a, you know, stadium nerd, I would say, even when I had heard about the Arlington Park opportunity, I drove out there one day on my own just to kind of look around. Um, again, I always look at what, you know, what, what are the assets on the, on the chess board and the un- unique thing of, about Arlington, it has some different unique factors. One is the space. You know, you don't get many times to have over 300 acres, um, you know, close to the city. And um, so there's some unique aspects. I know our focus will be to making sure that we close on, on the land. And, and again, I just want to, like I said early on, be very methodical to make sure that we get that process done first and see what happens next. But it, it, it is a very attractive, unique stadium site. You know, and listening to
0: him, it almost seems like this is a done deal. Now he didn't say that, but if I'm, I'm just sort of getting, you know, the vibe that they are going, they are all in on this. Now, because they they have not purchased the property yet, as you know, Greg, so it's an escrow. But as part of that agreement, according to Patrick Finley, is they are not allowed to talk to anyone else or negotiate any other deals with the city of Chicago or anyone else.
1: Right. They can't even talk to Chicago. So, I mean, you know, the mayor of Chicago is, is basically out of her mind, even thinking about it because the bears first, they're not going to do it. And second, it's, they're not allowed to talk about it. There's nothing they can do. So they're going to, you know, they're not, if she calls, they're not picking up the phone. It's done. But you know, when you look at what they've done already, now this, this project's already been going on for close to a year mm-hmm. and they've done a lot of pre-planning. We've seen some drawings of where they anticipate certain things being, there's going to be a, there's not going to be a casino, but there's going to be a sports book there and there's going to be a hotel or hotels. There's going to be retail. There's going to be a lot of, they're going to have like a village there. And what is it, 326 acres, right? I mean, that's, that's larger than the site of the Rams State. They had bought, what was it, Hollywood Park that the Rams bought, where they built SoFi Stadium. That's larger. I think it's like 30 or 40 acres larger than, than um, Hollywood Park as far as the, the uh, total size of the, of the parcel,
0: yeah, it is a beautiful sight. And anyone who is visiting here in Chicago, uh, just to take the drive up to Arlington Heights and circle around that pro- uh, property. Take it right
1: up to Arlington Heights and go over to all those houses. They'll love yes, to take come care you.
0: on of over. But if you're going to take a tour of the Arlington House, you better fill up your gas tank because it is it is quite immense. Uh, yeah, and stop on over. Bring a bottle of bourbon with you. <laughs> All right. So overall, I mean, one of the things, at least from the portion we were able to witness is there wasn't a lot of conversation about the Bears roster uh, with Kevin Warren. But I wanted to ask you. You know, and we've talked about this a number of times when when you've been asked a, a, about Ted Phillips and his involvement with rosters. Do you do you foresee there being perhaps any change at all in that dynamic between president, CEO, and the general manager of the team, uh, given who this person is, uh, Kevin Warren?
1: No, because uh, the, first of all, that, that the president, CEO, is the chief business person involved in the franchise, not the chief football person. Chief football person is Ryan Poles. Okay. And Ryan will report to Kevin. Kevin oversees the, the franchise as a whole. It's his job to make sure everything in the franchise runs smoothly and makes money. And that's the big thing. Make money. And, (laughs) Ryan is in charge of the product on the field along with the head coach. So I I don't see he's probably going to be the first guy to tell you, I'm not a football guy. Now he's an agent, but he's an attorney by trade, but he's always been once he got out of his, his uh, agent's role in law practice, he's always been an administrator Mm -hmm. and he's been By all accounts, a very effective administrator. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, and if you look at his background versus, say, Ted's, Ted was an accountant, and you know he had that's his that's his background, not being the administrator or the kind of administrator that uh, Kevin Warren is. You know, before assuming. Ted evolved into this job, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that in a negative way, but that's what it was. He kind of grew up. It's basically the only job he's had since he got out of college. You know, mm-hmm. he went to work for the accounting firm that was was uh, um, doing all the bearish books and stuff, but he, he was in charge of that, so he was spending time at the old hell of Saul. And they hired him away from the accounting firm. So, and, and it, it just grew within the organization where Kevin is a lifetime administrator. And his, I'm not gonna say reputation, his experience of dealing on a high level, and especially his last job, the commissioner of the Big Ten. That's the way I look at it is that's ultra important in putting this franchise at the top. You know, I've said before, when they get this this uh, project done, it would not surprise me. You know, right now, the Cowboys are so far ahead of everybody else as far as team value that the Bears are going to catch up to them when this project's done
0: that is music to my ears uh just uh, just as a fan and from a pride standpoint you know i've always uh, bemoaned the fact that the bears were just so far behind other teams from a business aspect and uh john Buffone, uh doug's nephew and a member of our barroom network team has always said that this uh, operation the chicago bears have for many years been run like a ma and pa operation and that was meant for some laughs, but some truth to it, and it's it looks like this. It's finally uh, looking like the Bears have turned the corner. Halis Hog Hall, renovation is amazing.
1: Go ahead, uh, Greg. Well, uh, I was going to tell you how that all took part, and it's not just the Bears within the league. Most franchises in the league were individually owned, mom and pop situations. Very true. One person owner. One person. In most cases, one person doesn't own. Especially, you know, coming in now, right? Like the Redskins, it's it, it's supposedly the Snyder's asking Redskins, Commanders. Excuse me. Um, the he's asking seven billion, and supposedly there's not a bid. There's bids over six, but not at at that seven billion area. And that includes the stadium, which is a dump now anyway, and they're going to have to replace it. But like when I came into the league full-time 1984, the, the size, if you, if you walked into a team office, the buildings weren't that big. There weren't that many people working there. You didn't have the sales and marketing force that you have. Now you might have had one or two people. You know, and, and, well, I, I could put it, I, I could put it in a different way. When I was with the giant, so after the 86 season, we go to, we win the NFC, we go to the Super Bowl. We got a dozen, we got availability of a dozen tickets per, per person, right? Yeah. Well, just we, it was four years later, five years later, we go to the next one, and that dropped down and cut in half. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, and and it's because you got you know each team gets an allotment of X amount of tickets, mm-hmm. and you got so many people, you know, working for these organizations now. These are huge, multi-billion-dollar organizations now, and where. You know, you had a chief financial officer and it was, you know, you weren't doing anywhere near what they're doing now. But the guy who changed this, who took it over the top, was actually Jerry Jones. And we might have brought that up on a show about a year ago or so, Mm -hmm. but he was way out in front. He's the guy who you know, actually against the league's wishes started bringing in sponsorships for his team. I think it started mm-hmm. off with Coca-Cola and and then a couple other things. And it's like the, the team was fine. He had to persuade the other hey you guys are stupid. There's a ton of money out there. They mm-hmm. didn't see what was there, how much money was in front of them to, to make, you know, w- whether it was they didn't have the business acumen or they just didn't think of it. They thought about the product on the field, and that was it. But it was his ability, his vision, his ability, his marketing ability that really changed everything for the National Football League. And that's why he's as powerful as he is within the league. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, he probably will have a big role in naming uh the next commissioner of the National Football League. And I'm not trying to push Roger Goodell out of a job. I just feel like whatever happens in terms of leadership at the NFL, Jerry Jones has a big vote in that. It's just more well, than one. Well, they,
1: they, they all do, and, and so does the New England owner. Mr. You Kraft. know, the, the, yeah, Robert Kraft. And I'm going to tell you, it might take a couple of years, but these people that uh, bought the Denver Broncos – Mm-hmm. They got a few dollars in their pocket now. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Uh, they're going to they're gonna, um, climb to the top, I think, pretty quickly within the league. Not necessarily the franchise, but the ownership. These are shrewd people.
0: Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. Danger T has an interesting question. He, he asked Do you believe Ryan Poles will have a shorter leash because it's not Karen Warren's GM that he picked? Uh, You've been uh, involved in numerous organizations where there was changes at the leadership and everybody starts to get a little nervous. How many changes is he going to bring to the team? Is he going to change the scouting staff? Is he going to change the coaching staff? Is he going to do this, do that? What do you think, you know, if you were in Ryan Poles' mind right now, what do you think he's thinking?
1: You know, it's, it's a good question. And go back to when Jordan was talking. All these candidates had an interview with with Ryan Poles. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it was part of the process, yes. and so it, it was. You know, he kind of had to sign off on on the, whoever the guy was too, mm-hmm. and you know, Ryan Ryan's highly thought of in the league. Whether people want to believe it or not, but he's a, he's a bright young guy, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think I, what I, what I don't want people to think is that he's going to go crazy spending money, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though he's got the money this year. I think he's going to be, and he said it in that, that presser last week, end of the season, presser last week, you know, we're going to spend it wisely. Mm-hmm. He's not going to go crazy to get one guy because that's what you got to, Spend to get them, you know, it might piss some people off when they see, you know, oh, they they got outbid for this guy and they got one hundred and ten million dollars. Well, if if you don't think the guy's worth the money, you don't pay it. Right. You know, you you set a market limit on each player.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I am, I am so with you on that. I had an internet uh, deba- debate, social media debate with a fan who said, if you've got the money, why aren't you going to spend it? And my response was, yeah, you got to spend it wisely. You can't just spend money, you know, throw money at DeAndre Hopkins if he becomes available. Because if Okay,
1: that, 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 I'm glad you brought that one up. <laughs> I think the chances of that happening are about 1%. 0. 0.0 is what I think, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, first of all, you, you look at the moves that Ryan Poles made in year one. He got rid of age, mm-hmm. and he's bringing in youth. Hopkins is on the wrong side of 30. Yeah. And he's already got a, a contract that he's owed, I think, 34 to $35 million. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's not the player he was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Why would you bring that in? Because he's a big name, is he going to? You're trying to build this team. It's it's you know, uh, Hargrave from the from the Eagles, probably the best three technique available. Who is a potential free agent? You know, we won't find that out for two more months. But he's thirty. He's thirty years old. So are you going to pay him to get him? You're going to have to give him a five your contract and probably north of 20 million a year because he's already making really good money. So that makes him 35 when he's, when he's done 34, 35 years old to be 30 this next season. And what you're trying to do is build the foundation of this club through youth. So that when Justin Fields hits his prime, these other guys are going to be hitting their prime at the same time, but a guy like Hargrave or a guy like Hopkins, they're gone. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's a great point. That's okay, a great point. So I, I just don't, you know, I, I, I know the people who have talked to or, or have worked with Ryan Poles in the past. And so I know how he's been say, brought up for lack of a better term, you know, within the league and, you know, he's going to be conservative. He's going to be wise and and, and conservative. Uh, he's not going to go crazy with the money. And don't forget, and, and people don't think this, let's say they still got $30 million in cap at the end of this year from this year's cap. That flops over in the next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That gives them an extra 30 that the other team and and, and don't forget, you're gonna have to pay Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. And, and either this year or next year, you're gonna have to pay Mooney. You're gonna have to pay Jalen Johnson, probably gonna have to pay Claypool. So these guys are all gonna cost money. So and and, and there's some other young guys are they're, they're gonna come up that you're gonna say, hey, you know, we want to keep these guys. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to pay him. So in my in my thinking, and I may be way off, because, but I, I'm just trying to put myself in his position. I'd be probably thinking I want to get four big-ticket free agents this year. Okay, that many? And, and, Okay, th- say three to four, and I don't mean 20 million a year, but r- north of 10, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of, it, 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 at least two defensive linemen, maybe one offensive lineman. Um, four starters
0: is what you're saying,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to come in and, and, and make it. Uh, hey, the defensive line, you could revamp that whole group. Yep. I'm in favor. They didn't play play very well.
0: No, I'm totally in favor of that. And renewable, I got it give credit to Renewable because this is going to be my response the next time I have a conversation with somebody on social media. I'm going to ask the question, you probably – do you have bad credit? That's how, that's how I'll respond to, yeah, we should spend $50 million on this guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they, they all go crazy. And that's uh, – keep saying lately is get me T. Higgins, you know, the, the guy. You know, he's not even a free agent this year. Right. It's only his it. third year – this is only his third year in the league. Right. Yeah, uh, well, why would why would Cincinnati want to trade him?
0: Yeah, uh, definitely appreciate fans whose zeal for making the team better. You know, they throw all sorts of ideas, but there's
3: so a I lot. had a
1: couple of people get mad at me yesterday. I too now I go because I keep seeing the name Davenport,
3: mm-hmm. defensive mm-hmm.
1: event. He's a free agent. And I go, why do so many people want him? So then, you know, I went back and I looked at it. I I, I knew he hadn't played good this year, but then I went back and looked at final numbers. He was 17th on the Saints in tackles. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What the hell was he? Okay, but here's the best part. (laughs) How many sacks do you think he had?
0: I think he had, last time I looked, which was like three quarters into the season, he had only one.
1: No, he didn't have one. He had one half. One (laughs) half. Is that what he The up? whole year. Now, oh, we're trying to, everybody's pissing and moaning because the defensive ends on this team aren't getting enough sacks. So you want to spend money to bring in a guy that had a half a sack when everybody you got now is already better than him.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. A great point. Um, let's get to some questions here. But, but first of all, before I get to uh, questions, I wanted to get your thoughts on. Uh, Dane Brugler, who I know you have been very complimentary with about his work, his assessment of candidates, he came out with his new 2.0 mock. And, of course, this is just for – I didn't uh, see
1: it, so it, I'd it, like to hear about it here.
0: Yeah. he. I mean, and, again, we know what a mock draft is supposed to do now. It's just to get clicks, uh, to get people to go to a website. Uh, I did, and he had the Bears trading their number one overall pick to the Indianapolis Colts and what they traded was the again the first round pick for uh the Colts number 4 number 35 and a
1: 2024
0: first round pick. That's and- funny.
1: I had that in writing last week. <laughs> well, he follows you too, right? No, no, but I'll tell you what I what know what I wrote last week. Uh-huh. I wrote I, I, I'm going to wad up Dane. And Dane's a great guy. Yes, he I is. said trade twice. Mm-hmm. Trade to Houston. Get Houston second. Which yeah. is the 33rd or 34th pick. There's only 31 first round picks. Miami doesn't have a first rounder. Was right. forfeited for um, tampering or something. Yes. and the... So there's 31 first picks. Houston has the same record... As I think, is Denver. So they might have to flip flop the pick. So it's either the uh, the second or third pick of the second round. Okay, the Bears traded away the first pick of the second round. But regardless, it's a real high second round pick. Now that pick is worth. I don't have a chart in front of you, but it's like five hundred and fifty or five hundred and sixty points. Okay, the move to go from number 2 to number 1 is really just a 400 point move. Mm-hmm. So you're getting in essence a third round pick premium to make that to move so the bears get that to move back one spot and then you turn around you trade again to the Colts for what Dane had for the 2 and 1 next year. Now you got a high one, which is number four, and you're going to get probably the same damn player that you would have taken had you kept number one. You're going to have two of the top five picks in the second round plus the Ravens pick, which is now 53. Mm-hmm. So that so, w- Yeah, so I mean, you'd have one one, three twos, two of them very high twos, Mm-hmm. that for all intents and purposes are probably going to be guys you got lined up. Not probably. They will be guys you got lined up in your first right. round. And um, you, you could fix a lot of things with that.
0: You sure can. You sure can. All right. Let's uh, tackle some questions. Uh, King Pookie Nation asked, would you – do you think the Bears should take a uh, – Uh, a flyer on Aaron Donald who uh, expressed his frustration with the Rams organization by changing his social media account to say former member of the LA Rams. And about an hour later, he changed it back. (laughs) So, uh, but you think Aaron Donald is, is in play or should be? Well,
1: you'd have to, you'd have to trade for him. He's under contract for a long time. Um, Yeah. He's a special player. But, mm-hmm. And and the Rams don't have any picks, but I can't see the Rams trading him. He is the franchise,
0: right?
1: And he would be in this scheme. He would be great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, he would. Um, Danger trade
1: anyway. I mean, you know, regardless. So yeah, but you probably have to give more than the the first pick for him. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is a future Hall of Fame player. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Uh, Danger T says, how many potential free agents are blue chip players? Uh, well, But more importantly, how many do you need on a team to be a Super Bowl contender? We had talked about this when Polian brought it up uh, about a year ago.
1: Well, it, it's, it's a very subjective opinion. What I think is a blue, you might think is a red. Right. Okay. And let's put it in, in simple terms. What's a blue? A blue player is a player that you win because of. And a red is a player you win with. Does that make sense? Total sense. Okay. So, um, and Team A may look at Aldo Gandia as a blue, but Team B may look at you as a red.
0: Like my wife.
1: <laughs> well, she might say purple, but you know. <laughs> <That's right>. uh, <laughs> so it, it it's it's very very subjective. I mean, you know, theoretically, you'd like three, four blues on each side of the ball, but that's pretty damn hard to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You mm-hmm. know, you can get a couple and then a bunch of reds. You, you don't want less than a red and you're starting 11 on each side of the ball. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah,
0: and the Bears have uh, some distance to get
1: there. Um, next question
0: from our good buddy, C.J. Williams. Uh, <laughs> we talked about this earlier, about trading Justin Fields, but C.J. says, what have you got a Ricky Williams capital for JF1? Do you take it? I mean, uh, Mike Ditka traded all of his draft picks, an entire draft, for Ricky Williams, uh, would you consider that? If that
1: yeah. And and what did that trade end up doing besides killing the, the Saints? <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> ruin 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 the franchise. Oh, I, I, <laughs> although I don't get it, you've been waiting a hundred years for a freaking quarterback, and now and, and like you say, I I'll go on my deathbed see it. Next year, there might be a guy better than him, but not in this draft. Yeah. That kid from USC is pretty damn good now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he might be special special. I mean, he might be generational special. Mm -hmm. Um, But this year, no. Stroud, hey, Justin Fields kicked Michigan's ass and, and, and got to the national championship game. Stroud couldn't beat Michigan. That's trouble. Stroud Stroud couldn't win a Big Ten championship. If you can't beat Harbaugh, I don't want you on my team. That's my point. I'll tell you what. That's an interesting topic right there. Michigan announces yesterday Harbaugh is going to be back. What the media won't say is nobody in the NFL wants him. That's right. I don't know what he's got on the media. They don't want him. Yeah, uh, I don't want It's <laughs> always media speculation.
0: Yeah. He is he is an interesting guy to talk about, but I, I'm totally with you. I think this guy is uh, taboo in the NFL for a couple of different reasons. But
1: well, one of the things is he wants total control over everything. Mm-hmm. And nobody's going to give it to him because he's a nutcase. Right, exactly. You can't trust this guy.
0: Uh, Jake has asked a couple times, so I want to uh, make sure
1: I get this in.
0: He says, do you have any thoughts on what Teddy Bruschi said? Now, this was on yesterday, last night's Manning cast. Uh, I didn't
1: see it, so I don't know what he said.
0: Okay, so and I didn't see that portion either. I was jumping back and forth. Teddy said that the 2006 AFC Championship between the Patriots and the Colts was the real Super Bowl that year. Um, Do you have anything other than a two-word response for Teddy Bruschi?
1: (laughs) Well, no, you know what? I thought last year the game between Kansas City and Buffalo was a real Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And then neither neither one got to the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, just that game. That was a hell – I mean, that was one of the all-time great football games Mm -hmm. you know, ever played and ended up Cincinnati ends up beating Kansas City – the next week, you know, Kansas City, they shot their wide for, all, for <laughs> lack of a better term in that game against Buffalo. That was a great football game, it was. and um, and I don't think you know as far as excitement and and some of that. That's what what Teddy's talking about is I, I how many games have come up to be have the drama of that that Buffalo-Kansas City game last year right. and any year, not just last year.
0: Yeah, I I, I, I totally agree with you. I, but I, I do think that was a sideswipe on our 2006 Bears that made it to the Super Bowl. And that, to me, kind of pisses me off. Why can't he phrase that in a way that doesn't seem like a slap in the face to the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Bears organization, the players and coaches? Yeah, but the- I don't know.
1: I, I didn't see it, so I don't know. I hear you. He meant it as a as a slap to the bears because you know I was working for the team that year, and we had a pretty damn good football team.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but I can see and, and and he was playing for New England at the time. So you know he's he's got his bias. Uh and he's probably not the only person who thought that because you know. New England had a good team. The Colts had a good team. And at that point in the league, the the AFC was probably the better conference.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Let's talk uh, a couple more questions here. One of them has to do with this trade rumor that I think started with David Kaplan about making a trade with the Colts that he's heard that they're working on a trade, the Bears and Colts. (laughs) I knew
1: you were going to do that. I already said it. I said that that is a total fictitious rumor. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, well, they could have. And then, you know, people were hitting me on Twitter. Well, they could have had the conversation. No, they didn't. Mm -hmm. First of all, let's take things in order. Colts don't have a coaching staff. Mm -hmm. first order of business for for Chris Ballard and and Mr. Ursay is to hire a coach. Mm -hmm. Then once you get the coach on board, the coach has got to... It's not just the GM and the scouting staff that has to buy into the player they want to take at number one Mm -hmm. to make the trade, but the the coach has got to buy into it. And that decision is... Minimum two months away. Minimum. So anything that's said now is nothing but clickbait. Okay, I can take you through the calendar. All-Star Games started this week. I think you had the, you know, the Hula Bowl was over the weekend that was in Orlando because I think they're building a new stadium out in Honolulu. And, and You know, the week after next is the East West and the Senior Bowl. Um, Those are uh, you got the NFL PA game. And then you get into February and everybody has their scouts in before you go to the combine. And you're putting together your preliminary board. Usually teams, not every team, but most teams bring their 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 scouts in December for a week. And you basically eliminate people, but you're not really setting a board. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're you're, you're cu- basically you're cutting people. You know, you you're getting names, rid of names that you don't want to deal with in the spring, and you're putting together, okay, going forward, these are the guys we're gonna cross-check, these are the guys we want the coaches to look at, um, etc. You know, they got a preliminary grade on them, but it means nothing that great. Then you, you get it's a little bit more serious. Every year I've been in meetings like this, they've gone for two to two and a half weeks. You do it by position. So you line up your board by position. Okay. Okay. Top to bottom. And, and you know, you talk and you talk about it. So when you're doing, let's say offensive tackles, you know, you stack them, this guy, this guy, this guy is the way we like them. Now you got to Then you go to the combine. And you're going to get information at the combine that you don't have yet. Verified measurables and medical mm-hmm. and uh, well, more than that interviews. So the medical is extremely important. There's going to be some guys that everybody loves that all of a sudden are going to come up with a faulty medical. It happens every year. Mm. Okay. And it throws things out of whack. Then you're going to get guys that are going to win a gold medal in the Jim Short Olympics. And the media is going to push them up three rounds. Uh, That guy just jumped from the third round to the first round because he ran a 40 that fast. So everybody's going to run with that for for a couple weeks, and then it's going to fall back to normal. Okay. And you're going to have... You know, you get after the combine, you get all that information from the combine, and and what's nice about the combine is that, except for the few that don't work out there, as you get you're comparing them at the same place, at the same time, on the same surface, on the same day, Mm -hmm. you know, per position, everything's equal. It's 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 apples against apples. And so for comparison's sake, it's really easy to say, this guy's better than that guy, just in, in pure athleticism, because that's, you know, what it is. But you're also going to get a feel for the guy as, as far as, uh, um, you know, if you interview him. And most of the interviews at the Combine are underclassmen. You try to get the, the seniors at the All-Star Games. but Why? Because you're going to have 100 and... You're going to have a hundred guys at the combine that are underclassmen and you only can interview 60. So the bulk of them end up being underclassmen. That's why you try to go. That's why you go to the all-star games. A lot of times it's not just to watch them play because you've seen them play. It's it's to get the damn interviews done. Yeah. And, and you can have more time. You don't have that, that locked in 15 minutes at a at a, um, all-star game. You can get some extra time and, you know, talk to these kids and get to know the guys. So it's, it's very, very important for the team, but, and then you get into the pro days. And what's even more important is private workouts because mm-hmm. pro days are always kind of scripted. Now pro days for quarterbacks are extremely important or not pro days, private workouts for quarterbacks are extremely important because a, the, You've probably seen a number of pro day quarterback workouts on the NFL network. They're totally scripted. You don't see an NFL coach running any part of that workout at all. It's done by the quarterback guru who the agent has hired to work with the player. And all uh, the coaches and scouts get to do is sit back and watch. And you know, you get a lot of oohs and ahs and wows, and the media builds it up. But when you have a private workout, that includes interview time, classroom time, installation, seeing how quick he, he can remember things, taking what you, you taught him in the, in the classroom out onto the field when, when you work him out. It's like a six-hour day. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty intense. And one thing where where the the pro day where the quarterback is scripted and he knows everything he's going to do, he even knows who he's going to throw each pass to because it's already been rehearsed over and over again, he doesn't have a damn idea what's going to happen in a a, uh, private workout. (laughs) It's coming in cold off the street and they're nervous. And that's when you find out a lot about the quarterbacks. Love it. But Great. With, with, with the positions, the, the regular positions, it's a little bit different uh, because it, you can see a lot of things. that they, they don't have a guru running the workout. The coaches run the workout. Mm-hmm. So you can see a lot. But it's just the quarterback position is, you know, if I never went to another quarterback pro day, it'd be fine with me and just go to private workouts for the quarterbacks. Yeah.
0: That's a uh, great insight, Greg. Thanks for sharing that. Um, by the way, um, we were all hoping that uh, the Chicago Bears coaching staff would coach uh, the East West Shrine Bowl game. And it's been announced that they are not. And so uh, do you have any insider information as to what happened there?
1: Um, from what I understand being, I'm on the board for the East West is that um Ryan respectively respectively declined because this offseason is too important. And he wanted this, that week they would have been out in Vegas, you know, coaching the kids there be put to what he feels is more important work, getting ready for free agency and and the draft so that he it's a week he didn't want to lose
3: Hmm. yeah I
1: I gotta respect that
0: yeah because it's usually looked at as a positive to have your coaching staff working with those young guys um and and it's
1: okay and it is but it's really day three reality is that it's most because the majority of your first two days are underclassmen, not all of them, obviously, but the majority Yeah. and the underclassmen can't play in an all-star game. Yeah. Which is the things would change if you let, if the league let all, underclassmen play in the all-star games
3: mm-hmm.
1: or those all-star games would blow up. Yeah. They become, you know, they're, they're important now, but they become ultra important. Because again, to the interview thing, being able to work with them for a week, that type of thing, it, 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 where I I would have loved to seen the Bears do it. I get why he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, uh, he, you know, I it, it it's it it's it's a a way of saying how important he feels this off season is. And that he, you know, the way he wants to do it is it's like to me, I got too many people out there because you got to think the whole damn staff out there. Mm -hmm. So I got too many people tied up in that and not enough on some of the things that are more important.
0: That's a, a solid reasoning. And frankly, I thought that there might be some coaching changes down the line. Do you think that doesn't have anything to do with the decision and, uh, and, it, or, or can we perhaps still see some coaching changes down the line? What's your gut feel on that?
1: My gut feel is now I don't think I, I thought there might be a couple last week, but it hasn't happened. So now I don't think, because I mean, you're going to want, and it, let me see how to put this the right way. Fluce has relationships with some people. There's probably might be some people he wanted last year that he wasn't able to get, and now they're available. Let's say it's a guy who was—you know—this is hypo- totally hypothetical—a guy who was w- with the Colts, and you know, say on the offensive side of the ball or whatever—and he couldn't get him here last year because uh, the Colts wouldn't let the guy go. Well, that's that staff's free to to do what they want right now, right. and. Yet he didn't make a change. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's other staffs that have been let go. And, you know, could there still be, could there be somebody that, that he wants that's still coaching that their team still are maybe, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he's going to, I'll put it this way. If he's going to make a change, he's got somebody specific in mind And as of right now, he hasn't been able to get them, and he's not going to lose what he already has for a maybe, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense.
0: It does. It totally does. Um, Let's get to a really intriguing question here from uh, Nick Snead. He says Ballard historically is a traits guy, according to what he's read. Young, the quarterback, is probably around uh, 5'10", maybe under – And so the Colts may not be in play for him, given what Nick knows historically about Ballard's uh, 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 like and dislikes. You know better than anyone on planet Earth about Ballard's likes and dislikes. You want to comment on this one? Well,
1: uh, Chris, I mean, Chris likes, we all like traits. Mm -hmm. Okay. But Chris likes football players first. Okay. Okay. And, 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 Character. If they don't have the, the and, and but when I don't, and I don't mean personal character. Whenever I talk to character in terms of football, it's football character. Mm-hmm. And I, I know as a month ago who he liked, how he had the quarterbacks himself ranked, but that's gonna that could change because that's him. And it's never just one person's opinion. You gotta, you, you, you've got a bunch of people on your staff looking at the same people. And, and you can't just say, well, I like them better. You're wrong. I'm right. Don't work that way. You know, you've got to be open-minded when you get to these meetings. And everybody says that he's, a lot of people are saying he's 5'10". I think he's six feet. I just look him standing next to other people and I, you know, but what worries me, he's got long arms. He, you don't see him, um, get passes knocked down at the line of scrimmage. Okay. Um, the guy, you know, at at Arizona Murray, I think he measured five ten, and I think he was on his tippy toes. I think he's like five, nine and a half. Um, (laughs) The but and and Young is way taller than him. Well the only thing that bothers me about Young is his build. I don't think I think he's gonna weigh a buck ninety one ninety-five. I don't think he's gonna be two hundred. Now he's pretty athletic though. He's got, he's got a, a wiry build. He's got a very quick release, he's got a very strong arm. Um, he's accurate. He anticipates well. He processes well. You know how tall he is will play into some people's decision. It's not going to play into everybody's decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Baker Mayfield was what? You know, I, I, I forgot what he, I forgot what he measured. Um, his head measured about uh, this big. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, you know, Murray's short. Um, Drew Brees is, I think he measured six feet. Shit, he's 5'11 and a half, 5'11. Um, you know, Rex Grossman was was short. Rex measured an even one, And then at the pro day, the teams wanted to measure him again. He goes, nope, I did it. I hit one. i I'm done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so... Uh, he might not have been six one, quite six one. The but I, I you know, watching Young played in an elite league, the SEC is is the league, and height was not a problem.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and the people he's he's playing with sorry about it. But, but what'd you do? And the show, Switchy <laughs> finger. <laughs> okay, no, I, I, just, I just don't think height's going to be a problem with him. I really <laughs> don't. I, 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 really like the player. You know, it, it, to me, it's more: is he going to be able to take the pounding? That's because the big he, because he's not because he's not that big. He's not big this way. He's not bulky. But and 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 part of that's going to be you know, you're going to when you get them at the combine, you got your strength coaches there, and they're they're looking at these guys and they're saying, and 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 they're looking at they do a bod pod there, they get the body uh fat measurements and everything, and and they're going to look at it closely. And and when they bring them in for a a visit, you you say, I can can easily get 10 pounds on this guy or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that so that's. Yet to be determined mm-hmm. information. So, but what I get it to is it's really the coaching staff doesn't get involved until, you know, senior bowl and east west week when the coaches start going out and then they start doing tape in march and march and, and pro days and shit. And it's when they get involved, and especially at the quarterback position, you get the the offensive coordinator, sometimes a head coach or whatever, they fall in love. Mm -hmm. And that's when things change, especially at quarterback. And so then that's when things will heat up. And I've been saying this all along. I don't think there's a consensus number one quarterback right now today. Will there be in two months Maybe for the if if you want to trade back twice, maybe you hope there isn't because maybe the Colts' number one isn't going to be Houston's number one, right? Right, but they're and they're not necessarily going to know what the other guy, guy wants. Everybody's you know tries to to lie the best they can to uh keep the other teams out, but it'll it'll be an interesting you know, we got what three months. Uh, Before the draft. But I think it's before we know who's really hot. It's it's going to be the middle of March or the end of March. So a lot of this stuff and like the trades, it's just uh, members the lying season. Everything you hear is a lie. Indeed. well, And Greg, we've all heard, you know, the
0: term corporate espionage and, you know, the co- corporations try to get information about, you know, Burger King wants to know what McDonald's is doing with their new fries formula and blah, blah, blah. Right. Does any of that exist in professional football where you get a guy in the organization say, hey, I got a friend over with the Eagles who tells me they are really in love with blah, blah, blah. Does that, have you heard stories like that or or experienced anything like that?
1: You know, when I worked for the Giants, Tom Boyster, God rest his soul, um, was my boss, the director of player person. And he goes, "When you go out on the road, you got two ears. Listen, and don't say a fucking word. <laughs> you know? And just listen." But and, and I've tried to to be that way. I don't I, I don't do much talking when I made. School calls, or I'm at at pro days, but you do listen. But don't forget, unless a decision maker is there, a scout can have an opinion, and I'm not downplaying a scout, but what the scout opinion is versus what the team opinion is Mm -hmm. could be two different things. Okay, so the, the scout could love the guy, but the people above him say, uh uh. And and you're gonna get leaks. You're gonna get you they're gonna put out uh, the Chargers want so and so. They really don't, but they're gonna put that, that's all part of the line season games.
0: Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Uh, Mr. Shorty from Bears Country uh, Productions and a member of the Bear There Souls show tonight asked, Does Stroud announcing his entering the draft help or hurt us?
1: You know, it helps. I couldn't get this people saying, well, that with him coming in the draft. First of all, we'll back up a little. Why would he not enter the draft? Okay, he's going to be one of the first three quarterbacks taken. He's probably going to go in the top ten. Okay, that's I'm talking worst-case scenario here, right?
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: worst-case scenario, he's getting a guaranteed contract for a huge because top ten picks get totally guaranteed contracts. And last year, I, I I put out on Twitter yesterday. Kayvon Thibodeau for the Giants was the number five pick. I go, let's just say Stroud went at number five. Kayvon Thibodeau's contract was just no, you know four years, thirty-two million, guaranteed. At number five, wow. this year number five will be a little higher than that, right? Because the pool will be bigger, so and and the caps larger might be 35 million this year. Okay, so and he's got one year the player's got one year vested towards getting to that second contract where he's really going to make money. Mm-hmm. Not the 35 or 34 million isn't real money. But mm-hmm. we're we're talking 180 million then if he, if he plays to what the T would draft some hopes, he plays to So why would you not, after two pretty good seasons as a starter, not accept that? I I said, Ohio State would have to come up with an NIL deal of probably north of $15 for him to even consider staying in school. And I might have been light. In fact, Joe Banner sent me a thing. He goes, I think you're light. It'd probably have to be 20 or more. And you still lose that vested year. That's you're still, you know, a year away from from being a free agent. Yeah, or yeah. a potential free agent. Great point.
0: Dented Fender has a question that I'm interested in. All of these questions are great, but Dented asked: Is the size of scouting teams different by team? I, I would imagine yes. Yes. And. Um, do you know of any particular team that has like an incredible, uh, incredible resources to their scouting team and maybe have? Uh- well,
1: I, I can tell you a story. Billy Kuharic, who's not involved in the league anymore, was the um, GM down in, in uh, New Orleans for that. He was director of player personnel. And I remember we were at a, and a good guy, really good guy. And we were at a, at a school call, and um, I was getting ready to go somewhere else, and it was like a you know long way away from where I was. Where he had a rental car and had to drive, and and he was you know decision maker, but he had to watch his budget. He goes, Gabriel, he goes, you guys waste more money in New York than we got in our entire budget. <laughs> we had, we had it we had an ungodly budget. I mean, we, we, we flew first class nice all the time. If, if you're on a plane more than two hours total, and that included connections, you flew first class and, you know, you say the top flight places, we got paid good. We had a good per diem, all that. So, and, and mm-hmm. Boisture would send us all over the place. I could be in, Ohio one week and California the next week. Mm. You know, so it's because he had the resources to be able to do that. And we had a large staff, too. And we had some part-timers on top of the the full-timers. I'm going to say, now, when I was here, we had a small staff as compared to some other teams. We had six full-time scouts. That's Mm. it. And they were all – if you look, they're all still in the league. And a lot of them were in high-level decision-making. You know, Ballard's a general manager. Rex Hogan's assistant general manager. Zadowski was the Bears' director of college scouting, you know, under Pace. Now he's got a, a a senior title with Pittsburgh. You know, Teddy Monaco is the assistant director of scouting for uh, the Rams. They're They, they all – We're very, very good. Um, That's the way Jerry wanted to do it. It's not that we, you know, the the Ted or the McCaskey's didn't say you got to have a smaller staff because when Emery came in and replaced uh, Jerry, he, you know, he had a bigger staff and and Pace had a big staff, but I'm going to say an average road staff now, including, you got, uh, I'm, I'm getting all over the place here, but like now you've got the GM, you got the assistant GN, you got a director of scouting and all that. You got a lot of decision makers in the building mm-hmm. who are all going out, you know? So, <clears throat> um so you <laughs> got to include them in, in your, the size of your group. I'm going to say, you got most clubs, except for Cincinnati, they're notoriously small. Always have been. Mm-hmm. Um, Ten to twelve minimum for for college. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. when you look at the entire group, mm-hmm.
0: and um, Renewable has a question: uh, How has the coaching or scouting department, I should say, uh, look? How what does it look like now compared to? before Ryan Paul has he made significant changes as he added scouts, as he changed personnel. What do you know?
1: There's a couple of holdovers. Um, and then he brought in a bunch of new guys. Um, I haven't looked at it in detail to really answer that question fairly, but I know at the decision making role, and, and that's when I say decision maker, these are the guys who make the final decisions. Like I say, you know, scout a could have a certain feeling, but he's not the guy who stamps the final grade on the, the player. You know, that that's going to be Ryan Polson and Ian Cunningham. And so if, if you want to find out what's going on in the world or going on, uh, how you, you want to know what's going on in their brain, versus what's going on on one of the area scouts, right? Not to say that that, that guy's not important because he's very important, but he's not making the decision on who they're going to take. Mm.
0: Toro wants to know how stressful and uh, the pressure on scouts to deliver, you know, accurate appraisals of, of, of the talent. Well,
1: that, you're held accountable to the information you give back. So if you don't give back good information. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah, we let a guy go because, um, well, put it this way. We did it this way. He was around for one more year and then another team, and he was under contract for more than that, but another team offered him a job. Mm -hmm. We said, you better go take it. Mm -hmm. You know, because he was, his information on one player that we took high was not good information. So it it was like, you know, you got to, you know, you got to hold the guy accountable to to his, to his, his information more. And and it's not necessarily the talent. It's the background. you got to be right. We had a saying said, look at your job is to know everything about this guy Mm -hmm. as a person. I don't want, or not I, we don't want any surprises the day after the draft.
0: And it happens,
1: unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we, we better, and, and, you know, we took some risky guys, but we knew about mm-hmm. Tank Johnson. You know, we, we knew what the, the downside was, mm-hmm. and we discussed <laughs> it. We spent hours discussing it.
0: Mm. Um, question here um, regarding that very topic, and I lost it. Let me see if I saved it up here. Darn it. I hate it when I do that. Um, nonetheless, the, uh, the scouting departments of each team, uh, what are they doing right now? Uh, you mentioned earlier they're assembling their boards and so forth.
1: Well, that uh, that's next month.
0: That's next month. So tell us what they're right doing. Right now they're
1: all-star games.
0: Okay. So, um, by the way, you and I need to do an all-star game uh, or a show from Vegas. So I'm hoping you're available some night or some morning before, you know, right after your morning workout. Are you going to be at the hotel uh, working out every morning at 6 (laughs) a.m.?
1: I'm going to be at the hotel. I assume with the time change, it probably gives me extra sleep. Because (laughs) um, I usually get up at 5 here, and I'm sure as hell not getting up at (laughs) at at 3 o'clock their time when we go out there.
2: I hear you.
0: J2K says, I'm really looking forward to the premium draft content. When will it start and how do I sign up? J2K, all that information is going to be available later this week. So I'll make sure that all of our fans have access to that. We're just uh, just like uh, Kevin Warren said, we're being very methodical in the process to make sure that we do everything.
1: you You know, I tweeted out, you probably saw the tweet, You know, we're going to have great. So Lester, (laughs) over because I write for Windy City. He he sends me a a DM. Don't forget you do stuff here.
0: Yeah, and I, 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 you know, I, I, am really appreciative that you uh, promoted the, the our content. Uh, but as soon as you wrote that, I said, oh, I bet you Lester is gonna wonder what about us? What about us?
1: No, I, 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 and I, I just sent him back. Don't worry, and and, uh, uh, and he, you know, sent me back a thumbs up. But I and but I didn't explain the premium content, and I and I should tell him that too. Yes, indeed.
0: And uh, and we always on this show try to remember to promote uh, Greg's articles and all the good work over at windycitygridiron.com. So we uh, appreciate uh, their partnership with uh, Greg. Greg, you got a new article out today where you scouted a linebacker. Tell us about that.
1: No, lineman. Lineman, excuse me. Truly, truly, I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah. Tui or something from, from USC. I love yeah. him. Love okay. him. Good, good. In fact, I'm going out on a limb here. I'd rather have him because you, you don't see his name in the first round at all. He's going in the first round.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: This guy's an interior defensive lineman at 13 and a half sacks.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, as strong as an ox, he can run. I think, you know, he's going to tear up the combine. And then when you watch his tape, you just, you know, he's got a nonstop motor. He's got a brother playing in the league. So, you know, because of that, he gets it. Um, his brother plays for the Eagles. He's got a cousin that played in the league. You know, he, he, he the genes are good. But I'm not so sure. I'd I'd rather trade down a bit and take him than Carter. I'm going out of it, and, and why? Because. Carter has lapses. Carter's got upside, like, you know, way off the chart. Right. But he's got lapses in his play. You know, and you can see it. He doesn't, you know, he dominates at times, but he doesn't dominate down after down after down. You watch this guy, he kicks the shit out of people every single play. Wow. You know, so, you know, to me, I want that's the kind of guy I want. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. just, you know, that's my own bias. Do you think
0: that a player like Jalen Carter can be coached up to be more responsible and to play the hits philosophy down in, down out?
1: Well, you're going to figure that out during the interview process. And they'd probably do a, 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 you know, it's a guy they're thinking about taking number one. You're probably going to do a private workout with them too. And you're going to spend a lot of time with them and you're going to come away with a pretty good feel Mm -hmm. that, um, see now here, renewable says edge and def- and DL. He's people got him listed as an edge. He's not an edge. He's he's listed at 6'4, 290, he's probably six three and a half. Mm. Got long arms, easily 290, but he runs really well. I kind of compared him to Tommy Harris, but he's he's wow. bigger than Tommy. Tommy was six two and a half with thirty two inch arms, short arms, but for an inside guy, you can get away with it. You want the ends edge guys got to be, but Tui Polono, he played everywhere along USC's front. Played up, he played down, and their base front he was a five technique. And then when they go into their sub package, he uh, most of the time was lined up outside. Sometimes standing up, sometimes with his hand in the dirt. and But he was almost, and when I say outside, he was sometimes on the outside shoulder of a tackle um, or over the tackle, but not out, like not way out like a nine technique type. Uh, and then there's other times in the sub package where he lined up more of like a three. Mm-hmm. But he's got that explosive ability real quick first step uses his hands, uh, really well. He's got a lot of snap in his hips. It's just a bitch to to block because he's always going all out. So I just, you know, the more tape I watch and Danny likes him too. You know, we had our little chat. Danny brought him up. But the more you watch him, the more you just like him. you mm-hmm. know, it's like, and, and to me, he might be the ideal three in this draft. Wow,
0: wow! So Richard asks, "How far can the Bears trade Black and back, and and likely still see this guy available?"
1: Well, where you see guys slotted now by the by the analysts, yeah. and where they're going to be slotted three months from now in the middle of April are two different things.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, mm-hmm. like I say, I. I've been doing this a long time. I wouldn't hesitate myself to take that guy in the top ten. Wow. Assuming that the measurables are gonna be what I think they are.
0: Right. There's still more process to come, right?
1: Right. You know, right. you get you find I I wouldn't hesitate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and put it this way: if if this was if I was still working there, Jerry was still working there. Jerry wouldn't go to bed at night without me calling him up and, and I'd be one. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and I drive him nuts. And, um, but that's what my job was to do. So yeah. I I'd do it, you know, I love it. We got
0: a lot more of this great talk, uh, Coming over the next several months, draft talk, and, of course, the premium content that we'll be announcing all the details very soon. Greg, uh, I got to get out of here. I actually got to start prepping for my 8 p.m. show, so I'm going to leave the audience with your final words. Why don't you sign us off? Any final words before I roll the closing logo?
1: No, the funds are starting now. If if you're in the personnel business, the fun starts now. You know, it's a little monotonous going school to school to school. You're looking at players all the time, but now it's when you're you, you start to put everything together. And um, to me, it's it's when the fun really. The next three months for personnel people are a lot of fun.
0: Outstanding. All right, everybody. We'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. And don't don't forget. Um, uh Bear Their Souls is on tonight at eight PM right here on the Barroom Network.
1: Take care, everybody. See you later. <laughs>